Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Hopefully everybody is doing great out there. I know that the world is definitely a different place at the moment with everything going on. You have the wonderful beer flu, also known as coronavirus, but also you have all the protests and everything going on, and in my opinion, for good reason. But hopefully everybody is staying safe. I really wish nothing but the best for you, my listeners. I definitely want you to stay safe, and hopefully I can entertain you along the way. But with that, I think we should get into this week's episode. This is the 1998 Sam Raimi-directed adaptation of the Scott B. Smith novel, A Simple Plan. A Simple Plan tells the story of three blue-collar workers who wind up stumbling upon a downed plane, and, well, inside that plane is roughly about $4 million, maybe more if I'm thinking correctly. But anyway, they stumble upon this $4 million, and what do they do? They decide to keep the money. But they also want to try to be smart about it, and in being smart about it, they take something that was a simple plan, and it just gets complicated along the way, specifically amongst the three guys along with their wives. They complicate things as well. So it winds up being just a big jumbled mess by the end of it. Oh yeah, there's also a kidnapping subplot, and that's why the money was there. And so that also sparks a little bit of tension there too, because you have the kidnapper from a failed kidnapping. He, well, wants his ransom money back. And I think that's one of the things that works best for this movie is that it is a simple plot and it is a simple plan hatched by everybody. However, things just get more and more complicated along the way. It winds up being almost a near sibling to Fargo in a way. But besides there being some, I don't know, similarities thematically, it couldn't be any different than Fargo or one of the various TV seasons of Fargo. It does take place in that small town, and I do like the fact that it shows that good people can do bad things. And the things they do in this movie are very bad. It winds up leading them to some, I don't know, it winds up leading them to even murder at one point, and that's actually pretty early on in the movie before things get super complicated with what they set out to do, which is simply just keep the money. I did say that it's based off of a novel by author Scott B. Smith, who also wrote another novel that was turned into an adaptation, and that was The Ruins, which, eh, I don't know. I enjoyed The Ruins for what it was. I didn't really read the book, The Ruins. I remember I bought it, but I never read it. Uh, That kind of goes for this here. I never actually read the novel, so I'm not aware of how true to the novel this movie is. However, there is one thing that might make this a good adaptation, and that is the fact that Scott B. Smith actually wrote the screenplay for this one. And I think he did a good job as far as the script writing duties himself. I don't know what was changed from the book. 
I do know that sometimes when you do get the authors involved, a lot of times some good things can happen. One of the things that I think about when a author does a good job as far as supplementing a process for script writing or show running, that would be with The Leftovers, with author Tom Perota actually helping out as far as where the story should go and helping out Damon Lindelof on season one and I guess to a lesser extent the further seasons uh, season two and three of the leftovers but that's a different subject I'm just saying as far as comparison sometimes it might help if you actually have the original author of the source material involved in these productions I think the casting here was actually really well done too I like the fact that Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton were in this one. I think they both do a good job. Uh, You have Bill Paxton, who is the older and wiser brother, or seemingly wiser brother. Considering he is smart on some things, however, on other things in the movie, he's kind of boneheaded. And that was actually something that my girlfriend, Nicole, that she pointed out. And she said that they do some really stupid things in this movie. However, I think the things that are done in this movie are kind of natural. It doesn't go so far as to make us believe that they would be always doing the right thing. But they do the thing that might come natural with trying to not get caught with all of this. And I think if you look at it from that perspective, as far as being reactionary and not having an opportunity to think about things, I think if you look at it that way, you definitely can see where the characters here are coming from. In addition to some great performances from Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton, you also have Gary Cole as the kidnapper, and then you also have Brent Briscoe as the third party to the discovery of the money. And I think that everybody here actually does a great job The only one I think might be a little bit weak is Bridget Fonda. I think Bridget Fonda is, I don't know, a little too on the nose as far as being the housewife that is pushing her husband to go even further with the whole scheme. She's not bad, but it's just an odd choice with some of her, I don't know, delivery of lines with the way she's trying to push Bill Paxton's character into continuing on with this but with all of that I gotta say that the direction here is actually top-notch and outstanding Sam Raimi actually policed himself a little bit and you don't get a whole lot of Sam Raimi flashy direction and that's actually a big part of a lot of his 90s output and I guess early 2000s you can definitely tell that it's probably Sam Raimi behind the camera However, this is a movie that he definitely toned down his usual style. And so it's with that that I think this may be one of his most personal movies that he wanted to make. Because it wasn't horror, and if it is horror, it's horror in a very, I guess, different way. As far as delivering horror and thrills to you. You have a lot of high tension scenes in this movie. And then you also have a lot of scenes that are just well staged. And it's hard to describe it without giving a lot of things away here. 
but a lot of his output in the 90s was different or toned down. At this point, he stepped away from making horror films, and he gave us a western with 1995's The Quick and the Dead, and then he also gave us more or less like a love story about pitching the perfect game, and that was the movie for Love of the Game, which was another adaptation of a novel. I don't know who wrote that one off off the top of my head, but he didn't return to horror until 2001, and that would be the movie The Gift. And actually, excuse me on that one, I believe it was actually the year 2000 for The Gift. But that was actually a horror film, but it was much different than say, his Evil Dead-styled horror films, or even later, his Drag Me to Hell film. I think one of the main things that he does here in A Simple Plan is actually go and have some strange camera angles, and he does capture a little bit of a gothic horror feel, especially with the plane and the pilot inside with the crows and such. But for the most part... I applaud him for being able to just sit down and direct a movie and not have it be super stylish, have it be almost stock direction, but really craft a well-done crime thriller type of movie. A prime example of crafting that tension for this movie is a scene where Billy Bob Thornton, Bill Paxton, and Brent Briscoe are all sitting down and they're trying to get Brent Briscoe's character of Lou to actually go and record him and get him to confess. And, well, things don't work out. And that scene is a definite highlight of the movie because it's a definite, I don't know, what in the world just happened type of scene. It's crazy. And with the way that they keep coming up with stories for the bad things that are happening, is amazing too and that's where a little bit of the Fargo type of feel comes in play but it's definitely one of my favorite scenes in the movie because the whole scene is very tense and then I also like the fact that Bill Paxton he's a good guy but yet here he is forcing his brother to incriminate his brother's best friend it's one of those scenes that really makes you question the characters here And yet, despite all the bad things that they do to one another, you don't ever root against them. You understand where they're coming from. Is it right? No, it's not. However, it's not one of those things where you're going to say, oh yeah, you really deserve what you have coming to you. Because by the end of this movie, it's a very downbeat, and sad ending and well I don't know if the characters if any of the characters deserved what happened to them but it really showed what money can do to bring out the true evil or that promise of a lot of money could bring out evil in good people I know some of the criticism for Sam Raimi is that he can't craft a movie without that stylish direction And I think that this movie here is one that would actually shut up his critics. I know he catches a lot of flack for Spider-Man 3. And, well, it's not entirely his fault at what happened with Spider-Man 3. I think he tried to deliver the best movie he could with 
the studio guidelines that was given to him. Yes, his name is on that picture, however, it really is a product of Sony and not so much a product of Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi will forever be one of my favorite directors, and this will probably be one of my favorite movies of his. And I'm going to say that if you haven't checked this one out, definitely do so. You owe it to yourself to experience it. Yes, it is a little bit slow, but once it ramps up, it's pretty great. But with that being said, I think I'm going to close out this episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. And also, if you don't do the whole social media thing, feel free to drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. My show is just one of many on the Inner Honest Opinion WTF block. So, if you ever want to check out our main podcast, feel free to do so. It's called Inner Honest Opinion. Yes, it's on hiatus right now, but I have a good feeling it'll be coming back shortly. And if you do have a free moment, please feel free to leave me a review, a five-star review, at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to continue to reach new listeners and continue to deliver some awesome episodes for you guys. Plus, you know, I simply love digital hugs. But with that being said, be kind and good night.